We are currently recording in the podcast booth inside Staples Studio located in Kelowna. Staples Studio is a co-working space for those looking for a safe alternative to working from home. I know I feel so stuck at home these days, and going to Staples makes me feel like I actually have a change of pace. They offer not only a safe space to work with desks, offices, private phone booths, and meeting rooms, they are connected to the Staples store where they have everything you need under one roof. Studio is more than just a co-working space. Studio is a community to help you work, learn, and grow. Follow them on Instagram at Staples Studio Canada for more information on locations, pricing, and amenities. Please visit studio.staples.ca and book a virtual tour. Hello everyone, welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello, What Really Works listeners. It's Olivia here and Becky, but we have a third person joining us and I'm so excited. Hi, Karen. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? We're so excited to have you here with us today. I'm doing wonderful. I'm also so excited. Thanks for having me on. So Becky and I met Karen or the Sage Sunflower as she goes by or her company is labeled um, at a mental health talk, a mental health convention Mm -hmm. that was all about safe workplaces and specifically about the service industry and were absolutely captured by her talk and by her experience and really wanted to have her come on the podcast and talk with us and what really works listeners about toxic workplace environments. I'm so excited. I know. I'm just, I feel like we're going to learn so much. Yeah. Becky and I were chatting. We're like, I don't really know too much about this topic. And Becky goes, well, it's good we have a guest then because <laughs> that's why they're here is to tell, teach us about it. Yeah. You know what? I think that's probably a good thing. You don't have a ton of experience or information in that area. I think that's, that's not a bad thing. So will you tell us a little bit about what you do as an educator, Karen, and the Sage Sunflower and all of the amazing things that you're doing for the community before we get started? Absolutely. Thanks. I'd be happy to share. Well, I can give you just a quick history about myself. When I look back on my life, I was a little girl who was so passionate about some of the things in our world that weren't, I didn't think they were right. I could tell they could be different. They could be healthier. And it's been my life's work to be brave and stand up for injustice or inequality. And at times, that's not been an easy ride. But as I continued through my life, I found myself in these spaces that weren't healthy and also experienced some traumatic things, as most of us do in our lives, and decided that I'm going to pair that that drive that I have within me. People often ask me where I get it from. I can't really explain it, but it's there. And I want to make positive change. So I started a company called The Sage Sunflower. The name of that came from spending time outside, which was very therapeutic for myself, and learning from nature and seeing how, for example, my sunflower seed that I had planted, never grew them before, but planted them one year. This little tiny seed planted in this just random spot in my yard grew to be this mighty, beautiful, intricate, and resilient plant. The way that the plant would handle a storm or any kind of weather changes was really inspiring to me. So... Sage comes from sage wisdom, um, what I've been able to offer people through my own experiences and learning, and then 
those messages that we find in nature that are really um, empowering and inspiring. So um, working with companies and people and families and, and sports teams to promote healthy cultures and spaces and looking at what can we all do to create places, environments, and relationships in a preventive way. I find we're often very reactive in our culture, and I think there's so much that we can do day in and day out to make places healthier. And instead of being in a reactive way of, oh my gosh, we have all these people who are ill and injured and unfortunately suicidal or are victims of trauma or violence and we need to make some changes and we need to do it now because there's a lot of problems happening so that's what yeah. our company works to address thank you so much for that and i really like what you said about trying to be proactive rather than reactive i think that's something that becky and i are both very passionate about as well is look looking at how we can implement everyday things into our everyday lives to support with our mental health and support with our well-being instead of really just focusing on that when we're down in the dumps and low. We like to try to practice that all of the time so that when we're low, we know what to do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And how do we support each other in doing that, right? That, that it's not just one person who's ill and why are they ill? It's how did they get there? And what's their environment like? The environment, what the environment's like is not something that Becky and I have touched a lot on in this podcast and something that maybe we can launch into right now we are going to focus on toxic work environments as the environment that we're mm -hmm. really honing in on today. What are some signs that we can really tangibly look at to know that we might be in an unhealthy environment, specifically an unhealthy workplace environment? We can also kind of loop in schools and, and such if you'd like. I can kind of speak generally to that. Absolutely. Sure. Just make sure we're really helping our listeners that may be coming from different experiences. So. An unhealthy space, particularly a workplace and in a school, you'll notice there's a lot of gossip. There's a lot of people talking about people. They are not necessarily speaking directly to that person. They're speaking about them and behind their back. And the information that's being shared is slanderous or, you know, it's, it's not a, a healthy or a kind way of speaking about another person. So in a school that could be talking about putting another person down and bullying and all that stuff that goes on in a school. I experienced a lot of that in my life, unfortunately. And in a workplace, it could be, hey, did you hear so-and-so is going to get fired? Or, oh, the company's not in good shape. Or this person is sleeping with this person and a lot of slander that happens in that way. And where this kind of stems from in these spaces is a culture of fear mm. and in a culture where, you know, we see a lot of this going on in our world right now. And in a workspace can be like a microcosm of that. If people fear each other and if they... If they're not trusting each other, a lot of unhealthy behaviors stem from that, like gossip, like withholding communication or information that's really important for each of us to be able to do our jobs well or achieve any kind of task that we're set out to do. So if you have a teacher that's not sharing what they need to share in order for you to be successful in your work, or they're favoring certain students and they're not supporting you in, in what you need to do, that's not going to make it a very healthy I'm actually a teacher by trade, so I started out in the education system, and I have to say that fear I notice in competitiveness amongst teachers, trying to keep their contracts, and some of that, if there's this fear going on, it will transfer down to the students inadvertently. They don't mean to necessarily, but they're not feeling safe in their work, then 
the overall culture is affected versus having a, a principal or a leader who sets the, the tone of the culture where everybody is safe and supported and connected, then teachers are better able to thrive, which again will transfer in how they treat their students. And there's a lot of people doing wonderful work to try and change that. So glad that we started with something as simple as gossip because gossip is something that I know I've experienced. I know Becky has experienced, you've experienced it, Karen, and I'm sure every one of our listeners have. And often gossip is not really seen as, I would say, negative or detrimental as it really is. It's something that we might just kind of mention every once in a while and brush to the side. But it's a really, like you're saying, a really important thing to take a look at and to not take for granted how deeply gossip impacts people. Um, especially about anxiety. I know that when I even think that someone is speaking about me behind my back, what they're saying might not be negative. We might not be gossiping about really slanderous things, but we make up stories in our head about what those people are saying about us, which makes us anxious at work. It makes us anxious, anxious at school. It makes us question our actions all of the time, which is just a horrible feeling to have. Absolutely. I can give you a quick example of that, if that would be helpful, that I've experienced. Yeah. Um, I was in a workplace where I was brought in for my performance evaluation, and my manager at the time said to me, "Um, I'd like to give you four out of five in terms of respect, but I'm going to have to bring that down to a two out of five because of some information that was brought to my attention about your behavior. And it was like, whoa. And essentially what it was, was that was gossip that somebody had shared that I was engaging in sexual relations with somebody that I clearly wasn't, you know, in, in this workspace, even if I did have a romantic relationship with a coworker, it wasn't frowned upon or what's the word? I want to say illegal, but it was allowed, let's say in the workplace. So it's really none of their business. And I was marked lower on my performance evaluation because of gossip and it was devastating. It was devastating to me. It totally affected my reputation. It was a really awful situation. And I ended up actually, you know, taking that forward in a, a case against that workplace. So it, it can be very detrimental to somebody's mental health. You mentioned anxiety. And I was very anxious, like, who is saying what about me? How did that get through? How did my manager use this against me without even checking, fact checking or anything like that? So that kind of brings me to another point in in a toxic workplace, there's often a boys club that will thrive. And the boys club is, is really just a system of power that men have that is based on patriarchy, which is this historical model that men are more powerful and have more rights than women in our culture. And in, unfortunately, this is still really thriving in not in a good way in, mm-hmm. in Canada and North America, where men are in positions of power and often misusing their power or abusing their power. And so in that situation I shared, the way that information about me, that slander had gotten through was through the boys club where they were talking about me. Ultimately, what I uncovered was, you know, a threatened by my openness and willingness to make a healthier culture. That was their attempt to squash my, my power. And it was really, that's probably the most extreme example I have, but it was very awful to go through. That goes back to that fear piece that you were mentioning. So we can see how gossip is related to fear. And then can take a turn for the worst when we have things like our reputation and our ability and our just livelihood questioned um, by something that could have just started as some maybe innocent chatter among folks, right? We never really know how what we say about other people is going to affect that person. So it's always best just to be cautious and only speak to 
that person yourself instead of speaking about others to to other people. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, speaking to the person directly would be the opposite way of handling this. And that would be the healthier way is communication person to person, for sure. How did you get the courage to actually go forward with the concerns that you had in your workplace? You know, that's a really strong thing to do. And it's a hard thing to do to stand up to that power dynamic that you were mentioning and put yourself out there and be vulnerable and express those feelings, but also take take that action. That's a whole other step. How did, how did that really work out for you? How did you manage to do that? Oh, thank you so much. You pointed directly to, you know, many parts of that for me, it, it required an immense amount of courage. And I thought about it for a while. I really made sure that it's kind of like sticking your neck out. Is this going to be worth it? And I think one of the most unfortunate things that I see happening in our society is that I even had to question, will this be worth it? Because I should be able to stand up for myself, but I, I had to dig real deep for that courage. And I think it came to this point in my life where I had had enough. I had had enough of dealing with this in different workplaces. I'm in my mid thirties now. When I was in my twenties and still learning about myself, I found it really hard to have that courage to say no or to say, I don't like what's happening or the way I was treated. And when you're learning about yourself and developing, that's just kind of where you're at. The confidence isn't fully there yet. So now that I have more confidence in who I am and less desire to be put down or to be squashed, it's just not a good way to live. It's not a fun way to live, to feel like you're being minimized or you're not empowered. So I wanted to feel in charge of my life and I wanted to control the narrative. And I wasn't about, uh, I wasn't ready to let anybody try and say the type of person I am or question my integrity. So I needed to do that. And I had a good support system at that time. There were people who rallied behind me and believed in me. And I think the biggest piece, when I go back to what I mentioned about being you know, an activist or an advocate for injustice is I thought to myself, if I don't do this, who is going to do it? Because very few people had challenged this boys club or this power dynamic. And I was in a position where I could, not everybody is, and we can get into that a little more specifically, but I was able to do that. And so I did. And many women were very grateful that I had stood up and, and challenged that power structure. Didn't work out exactly the way I would like it to, but I felt that I did the right thing for myself and left a path for others to follow suit if they felt that there was injustice. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful. Being able to let you say knowing that you've even just paved that path. And it's important. Thank you. It can be a hard thing for to be the first person to stand up. And it becomes even harder when you are immersed in that toxic workplace or toxic school environment because it's mob mentality. And moving against that mob is a really great way to you know, be put down and be targeted even more so than before. So going into that, knowing that I'm going to be affected by what's happening, but in the long run, I'm going to be feeling more fulfilled in myself and feeling more confident in my abilities. And not only that, but paving the way for other folks to be able to do the same and hopefully break up that mob is incredibly important. How did your mental health shift, would you say, from when you were in that environment to when you found your way out of that environment? Was it a drastic shift? A great question. It's a deep question because I would love to say all of a sudden I was really great and everything got better, but that wouldn't be being truthful and honest. And it took me about a year to recover from experiencing that. If somebody stays in a toxic environment, 
it is going to affect your mental health. There's some strategies that we can talk about, like if one has to stay in that environment and, and why they may have to. For myself, my contract actually ended at that time. So I, it was kind of like, I know I needed to go, but then it would just happen that I did. Um, and then was able to focus on my business and really put that passion for what I've experienced and what I know needs to change into that business side. So that was quite therapeutic, but it's still been challenging. It, it rears its ugly head often. If I'm getting ready to do, you know, something like today or I'm recording this with you lovely ladies or, you know, talking in front of a group of people, it'll sometimes pop up. My anxiety will go, hey, remember, you know, what happened and remember how awful you felt. And so as you mentioned, Olivia, it's very similar to how we navigate our mental health day to day is seeing when that anxiety is showing up, having those strategies in place for calming myself down, loving myself, that kind of um, inner self-talk is really key to not only kind of just navigating mental health day to day, but also recovering from awful things that have happened to us. I think the biggest piece that I'm highlighting as well is like that empowerment within is that we do it often feels like we have no power or control when we're in an unhealthy environment. And so we really have to tap into recognizing that we actually do have power. It may feel like it's not there at all, but it is. And surrounding yourself with like supportive people will help you see that. And they hopefully will remind you of that and empower you to take those steps that you need to. My support system has been supportive throughout the past year. It's also really taken me being, being very open about how much I've been struggling. I'm prone to kind of putting on that brave face and not letting people know the struggle that I'm experiencing. And especially being like a leader in these areas, people are looking to me for support. So I really have to make sure that I'm giving myself the grace to say, hey, I need help too. Mm -hmm. And this is hard for me. And, and I have, so it's really, really important because otherwise we're alone in it. And that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. I really like how you said the traumatic work environment. We've talked about you know, we've labeled this as a toxic work environment or an unhealthy work and school environment. But honestly, I think that traumatic work environment or traumatic school environment is even better of a word to use because things like bullying and gossiping and of course, like sexual harassment in the workplace is, that's a traumatic experience. But even more so, I think a lot of folks, you know, go through those daily humdrums of not enjoying their work, of feeling as though they're in a workplace that's unhealthy or any other environment that's unhealthy, but thinking that's normal, especially with workplaces, thinking it's normal to go home and feel absolutely (laughs) stressed and just Mm -hmm. so anxious and so upset and crying after work. That is not normal (laughs) and that's not okay. We have a society and we have a culture that really positions being overworked and being um, stressed out about our work as good job. You're doing the right thing. You're, you're, you know, you're in the clock and you're, you're ticking the way that you should be. That's not what we need to be doing. We need to be focusing on how we feel in ourselves and realizing that, you know, it's not quite normal to leave your shift and be feeling that way. Yeah. I'm actually laughing along as you're saying that because that was me, especially my first job (laughs) was working within a prison environment. So that's an intense environment, right? And like you say, I totally just kind of normalized the fact of, of course, it's going to be incredibly stressful. Of course, it's going to be so intense because because of the fact that it was working in the criminal justice system. So I'm like, this is it's an intense environment to even just like walk into, right? I'm like, yeah, this is totally fine. This is normal. But 
like after a year I was like I am crushing and I am burning and like you mentioned Karen as well like you know this was me going into the workplace like my first kind of serious job I guess is how I would class it as at the age of like 21 throwing myself into the prison system as a support worker and not having any boundaries not really understanding how to say no trying to empower myself in it because there was also in an out group uh, dynamics of the prison officers versus like the civilian staff so then you felt like you kind of had to like even do more to prove that you were just as good as like the officers and all this kind of stuff yeah I was definitely one of those people like you say Olivia where I was so burnt out so definitely having all of my boundaries pushed on so many levels and not being okay with it but just being like well this is just normal this is this is what yeah. right so to recap that you sure. said a lot of important things there Becky and we'll com- we'll combine it identifying a unhealthy toxic traumatic environment we've mentioned gossiping is a key thing for us to look at when we are first starting that you mentioned not have having your boundaries pushed that's another thing that is a telltale sign that you're working or operating in an unhealthy environment power dynamics um, was mentioned both by Karen and Becky of, you know, an in-group and an out-group or perhaps like a, a male's club or whatever club it might be. So we have all of these early warning signs that I think is really good to be able to notice because then we can take steps to either really watch ourselves and set those boundaries preemptively and really pay attention to what's happening in that culture around our environment and our workplace, whatever it might be. But then we can also look into the steps that we can take to help support ourselves with those things, like setting more boundaries or uh, practicing self-care. And I think it's important to kind of look back historically when the Industrial Revolution happened. I believe that's kind of the starting point of seeing humans as machines as opposed to humans. And what we all need as human beings is Um, as I'm sure you mentioned this in many of your podcasts, is the ability to to feel seen, heard, understood, to know that we matter, to know that we have worth, and to feel connected. And when we're in these toxic spaces, or even just spaces that maybe aren't so healthy, where there's some challenges, oftentimes our core needs are being challenged, where if we look at what you mentioned about having these pockets of, you know, cliques or in-groups of people abusing power, that's going to be in direct conflict with our need to feel connected and our need to know that we matter if everyone else is involved in something that we're not a part of. So I mentioned earlier, like withholding of information that would activate that anxiety response in us because it's, well, why am I not privy to this information? I need that information to do my job or to succeed in what I'm here to do. And in my example, I was seen as a threat. So in an unhealthy environment, um, my strengths actually were taken as uh, weakness or a way to attack me in a sense. And so another sign of a toxic space is that harassment, the bullying, discrimination, and major boundary violations happening. I'm going to create a preemptive question. Okay. Before the what do we do mm-hmm. is how do we know when we're being affected by it? How mm-hmm. do we know when we are being affected by like a traumatic space or a toxic environment? Because we need to, I guess, like recognize it's happening where all we're in that space is before we do anything about it. When we're pushed past our limit, how yeah. do we recognize it? Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. Great, great question. So um, yeah, our limit is another way to say boundaries, right? Great question. So, and I like that you brought it back to that because oftentimes people ask me, how do we fix things? And 
I want to get to, you know, where does it come from? What is it? What are we even talking about? How do we know it's there? What are the signs? So you might not even notice that there's boundary violations happening because it might not be happening to you, but it's happening to others. This is the best way I can describe it is in any situation that we're concerned might not be healthy. There's probably signs of how we feel, whether it's a relationship with someone, you know, you might notice yourself being irritated, agitated, angry. I started to notice my emotions. And so I actually wrote a few notes about how I felt when I was in different toxic environments. So I'll share a few of those words because I think what's really, really important in our mental health is to understand how we feel. That's the one thing we really have control over is self-awareness. And really everything stems from that. We have to know ourselves in order to then manage ourselves, whether it's our emotions or our thoughts or our behavior, all of those stem from knowing ourselves deeply. And for me, I felt um, I had a sense of avoidance, aversion, detest. I felt powerless, alone, isolated. I felt like I was furious at times, skeptical, humiliated, rejected. There's a long list, but I'll say a few more overwhelmed, inadequate, and at times despair. And then what was also interesting is I felt sometimes positive feelings that we refer to them as excitement or creativity, things like that were also happening, which this kind of points to something specific is that there was grief here. There was grief because I had conflicting emotions, which is what happens to us when we're in a state of grief. So it can be very confusing. It can be confusing to decide, is this toxic? Is it unhealthy? What is it? I don't know if it's as important to label it as it is to notice that you're not at your best and you're not feeling well. And really all that we can do is control, manage ourselves in these situations. So paying attention to how you feel, looking at your own behavior, looking at, do I dread going to work or school every day? Am I losing sleep? Am I um, not taking care of myself? Am I avoiding going to these places? Um, Am I angry when I'm there? I'm a very creative person and I notice for myself, my creativity gets lost when I'm feeling like I'm being put down or in in a space that's not healthy. I don't thrive in my creativity. So that's a sign as I stop doing things that are creative. Looking at your strengths and then noticing, are you playing to your strengths or are you shying away from being your best self? That's usually a big indicator that you might not be in a healthy space. Those are all really, really great examples. And for myself, it's actually quite difficult for me to identify how I'm feeling because Mm -hmm. as someone that lives with anxiety and depression and a couple other things in there, it's knowing how I feel is a constant challenge. Um, And what I really liked is that you kept a running list of those feelings. And one of the things that I'll often point people that I'm supporting and what really works listeners to is looking at a list of emotions. If you're having trouble figuring out how you're feeling and you can't write your own list, you can just look up a list of emotions and it really helps me pick out that is exactly how I feel. I feel agitated. I feel desperate. And then it helps me kind of hone in those feelings um, as well as taking a look at our routines. If my routine has changed where all of a sudden I'm sleeping in until 10 o'clock or, you know, I usually go for a bike ride in the afternoon and I don't feel like doing that. Just paying attention to those small things in our daily routine is usually a sign that something's a little bit off in, in us and we need to take some time to explore that a little bit more. Definitely. I love that you said that because full disclosure, I totally used the emotion wheel when I wrote that out. <laughs> like I actually did. I, I very much relate to what you said, Olivia, is um, I've kind of been in this state of not tapping into how I feel and, and the healing work that I've done in my life and what I help others do is connect with how they feel. 
And at times I felt like, oh, why do I have to do that? That seems really lame. Like, I don't want to feel it, which is actually kind of like a form of toxic masculinity that I've talked about in other spaces, which that's a whole other rabbit hole. But um, <laughs> men, are raised to, men are raised to not feel their emotions in our society or to not connect with them and to be essentially fearful of them and keep them locked away. And I related to a lot of that in my life. So very important that we connect back to that because that's a big part of our being and it helps us navigate. And we might sometimes feel these things. I just want to say, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a toxic environment. Not all toxic environments, sorry, not all environments are toxic. When we're, you know, I know our audience is um, young adults and young people, and it can sometimes feel like we don't have power. We don't have control over our lives. It can feel like there's not much you can do about a situation, but in actuality, we do have power within ourselves. We just have to learn more about who we are and connect back with the things we love about ourselves, which can be very challenging. This is not easy, but it does help us to know that we can be the difference that we want to see. There's so many examples of teens you know, going into their schools, not following along with what the cool kids say. There's one video of a, a kid out in Halifax, I think it was, or in Nova Scotia, who would hold the door for people every single day. And just the change that that made, the, most people would ignore him for the first while and then, he, he graduated and moved on and they interviewed kids at that school and essentially it was, yeah, we really missed that bright energy, that smiling face. He was such a difference in our school culture. And so sometimes it's small things that can just start to send things in a different direction within ourselves and within how we show up into these spaces. We actually all, whether you're six years old or you're 86 years old, we all have power within us to do this. And it really, really helps to recognize that in order to do it for others, we first have to be able to do it for ourselves. I really like that message. And I think it leads quite naturally into discussing what if we're in a little, in a non, um, not so privileged position where we are not able to really leave that environment that is causing some toxicity and causing us to feel down and feel low and not feel well in ourselves. That's, that's a really tough thing to do. My initial thoughts would be, you know, trying to lean on those that, that care about you and that you feel you can be honest and that you can trust. But other than that, that sounds like you're just stuck between a rock in a hard place. Yeah, it, it really can feel that way. And as I mentioned before, it can really affect your health. I have some examples, or sorry, some um, descriptors of things that we can do to manage ourselves in an unhealthy space. And um, as you mentioned, I, it's important to recognize, to see it for what it is. So if it's your school life that's, you know, getting you down and you're stuck in a rock and hard place there, that it doesn't mean it's your entire life. And it doesn't mean it's everything in your life. So kind of keeping it compartmentalized, which is really hard because we can't fully do that as human beings. Everything's connected, but just remembering that it might be temporary. It might not continue forever. And while you're in this headspace, sorry, while you're in this space, your headspace will be kind of focused on what you're there to do, if that makes sense. Just having like that goal of getting through it. So I mentioned it already, but being the change that you wish to see and leading by example. So if everyone else around you is acting inappropriately and disrespectfully that doesn't mean that you have to get on board with that do what you can do to show up as your best self even if people are not being healthy towards you it's really hard but it's really important so I have lots of examples in my life where people are putting me down and it's the saying is don't stoop to someone's level so if someone's yelling at you you don't have to yell back that kind of thing really important to document situations that are concerning to you this is a big one that I learned almost too late in my life. So I would say to anybody, 
if you're in a situation in a relationship, in a workplace, in a school, where you feel like you're being harassed, you feel like you're being put down, you feel like things are unfair, just keep a journal, keep an ongoing record of what's happening, what date it happened, how you felt, what you did about it, who you talked to, what the resolution was or the lack of resolution, and just keeping this for yourself. You may or may not ever have to use it, but sometimes it can even just be therapeutic to get that out of your head. And it's also important to not be sharing all that information with just anybody. Olivia, you mentioned having that safe person to go to or somebody that you trust. Get really, really clear on who is trustworthy and who has a right to hear these stories about your life. I'm a classic oversharer. I share too much. So I've had to learn that not everybody is worthy of hearing my story and my hardships in life, that they don't necessarily hold that information safely. So just really looking at what trust looks like for you and maybe seeking some professional help at that time, whether it's therapy, coaching, a spiritual guidance mentor, maybe it's you're connected with your parents or you have that good friend, but again, looking at somebody who's trustworthy and, and it might even be a professional that you can seek help from to find some more coping strategies while you're in this and being really intentional in how you care for your mental health. So um, this is essentially what I focus on in my business are the preventative measures that we can take. And that looks at, you know, nutrition, like how are you nourishing your body? Are you feeding your body uh, food that's really unhealthy and junk food? It's definitely going to affect how you feel and your ability to navigate challenging times. Are you sleeping? For me, I mentioned being creative is really important. I think we all need to be creative in our lives. Being connected in community, journaling, moving your body, meditating, and really importantly, spending time outside. Even in the winter in Canada, this is still important to get outside. And it just reminds us, I think, back to, again, that connection with nature and mental health. It reminds us we're a part of something bigger reminds us that this moment in time is actually fleeting and it's not going to last forever. And you, for example, I'm looking out my window right now and I have a tree that's 40 years old and it's magnificent and beautiful. And it has withstood so many winter storms here in Canada and what it took for that to kind of make itself stay strong and, and survive that, that resiliency is really important. So maybe you can learn some things from setting boundaries and how you how you navigate challenging times in your life. We can't avoid hardship. We can't avoid getting out of difficult situations. So maybe there's something you can learn about yourself and being brave and showing up and standing up. Obviously doing so in a safe, in a safe way because it might not be safe to just all of a sudden go in and just start telling everybody what you think and feel that might not be safe. So <laughs> you have to do it tactfully, but deciding on what that looks like, again, with maybe some guidance from a mentor that can help you kind of pick and choose how you're going to respond. And just a few more things, looking at developing your mindset. So if you, this is a really big one that I see in people. If you, if you think bad things happen to you and the world is against you and yeah, see this workplace sucks and this sucks and everything is not good and all bad things only happen to me and why me? If you have that mindset, you're really going to suffer. And sure, it really can feel like you're suffering in an unhealthy space. But again, it doesn't mean that has to be your whole life and the way you look at everything in your life and really seeing that this might be a temporary thing and we have the ability in time to remove ourselves from the situation and learn from it and be better at setting boundaries, et cetera. So our mindset plays a really, really big role in this. It can be a way for us to identify 
if we're in a toxic environment, if it feels as though our entire life is being taken over by our feelings as a result of that environment, if you're always thinking about the horrible things that might be happening at school, or you're always thinking about the stress that you're experiencing at work, if it is becoming as though it's your whole life and you have that tunnel vision, I think that's another great way for you to really start to take a look at the things that are making you feel well and the things that are making you feel unwell and recognizing that toxicity for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it will like it in the times that I've been in these toxic environments, it affected my relationships and things outside of work. So it's another good point to just recognize that ideally you have people around you that may help you see that and point it out. They'll be real with you and say, Hey, I've noticed that you're not yourself or your bubbliness or your spark is not there. I know that's been really helpful for me when my mom pointed that out to me one time and it was hard to hear, but it was also really important to hear. So again, our, our community connection and our relationships around us are really key to navigating this. Absolutely. And I think just taking responsibility for our wellness, we can be in situations that are incredibly difficult, but the message that I, that I keep hearing, um, Karen, is that, that I keep coming back to from what you're saying is, we need to be in touch with our wellness and the things that make us feel good and the things that we know help with our self-care and having a community and really practicing these honestly quite difficult mental wellness tools in order to be able to support ourselves in the best way possible when we are going through those, those really tough hardships like a toxic environment. So what really works, listeners, we've thrown a lot of terms like self-care and boundaries and all of these wonderful things at you. And they're not easy things to be able to learn how to do. They're actually incredibly difficult to recognize what self-care activities work the best for you, recognize how to set boundaries, learn how to set boundaries. So go back in through our podcast. If there's one that specifically, a self, a technique that specifically sits, sticks out for you that you would like to know more about, a more detailed conversation about, please do go back through those episodes and, and listen to the, the conversations about self-care, about how we have healthy conversations, that sort of thing. And I love that you're pointing to that these things are hard because it, you know, it's easy to see all the self-help and be positive. And it kind of makes me a little icky at times when when people glaze over how hard this work is. Again, younger listeners, I'm 35 and I'm still having a hard time doing this. I'm still struggling with saying no to people, saying I'm uncomfortable with what you just said. That makes me feel this way. You know, that's still hard. So if you can start it now, you're on the right track. You know, instead of trying to unravel years and years of not doing it, it's easier to start practicing it now as you're learning and growing into who you are and really setting a foundation for your life where you don't tolerate anybody treating you in a way that's less than the way you deserve to be treated. And for the record, we all deserve to be treated well. Nobody out there deserves to be in, a, in an environment or relationship where they're being put down or abused or disrespected. And if you feel that's all you're worth, you're most likely going to tolerate it, which is, which is a, another indicator is how you feel about yourself, You'll see it in the type of people you spend time with and the things that you engage in. It's a reflection of how much you're caring for yourself. I love that. And like you say, when we're setting that foundation as early as we can, we want to be setting like the good side of the foundation, hopefully. You said the word practice. That's the key word. I think we're all just practicing it. I don't think any of us, I don't think anyone is ever going to be 
100% perfect at any of the things that we've said even you know looking after mental health and we're all mental health professionals but we're all practicing it and we're all working at it right like none of us are perfect at this so. I'm horrible at it so. <laughs> so it's something to you know always bear in mind as well because it does feel hard or scary thinking about like things like setting boundaries I know when I first started learning about them I was like these sound terrifying saying no to people I've never said no to anyone so yeah just like kind of viewing it as like you know what this is going to take practice the first few times could be incredibly uncomfortable I'm probably going to stumble over my words and not even say what I want to say because I'm so nervous about it Mm -hmm. but it's about like you say laying those foundations and just knowing at our core we're really just trying to do our best to support ourselves in that situation yeah and taking baby steps too I think is so important if you're struggling at work if you're struggling at school and you know after this podcast you're like okay I'm gonna go confront this person I'm gonna have a healthy boundary conversation (laughs) that is great but that is also a really difficult thing to do so you can take all of these suggestions and break them down into really uh, zoomed in pieces where perhaps you won't go immediately to having this really lovely boundary conversation but you write down a few things that are really bugging you and perhaps you just take that journal into a meeting and you read those things off, right? We can, we can start slow and, and build ourselves up to really be utilizing these tools in the best way possible, practicing them just as Becky says. I love that. Yeah, and I, I brought another point to mind. You know, as we're starting small and baby stepping it and, you know, taking little bites, small chunks of this, I think that's a great suggestion. And also remembering that it's okay sometimes to have like our support system with us. So if you know you're going into a situation that's not safe, it's okay to plan ahead and bring someone along with you or it's okay to lean on people. It's okay to ask for help and we don't have to go at it alone. It is important to build these skills like we're saying so that you can feel confident and strong in yourself. So we're not meant to be enduring horrible situations. So it, it is going to be unnatural and uncomfortable and that's okay to need help in that bring a friend if you need to, you know, somebody that can be there with you and, and recognize that maybe it's, a, maybe it's a good idea to try these things out with somebody who's safe in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great point. So if you want to, if you recognize, you know, after listening to this, yeah, I really have a hard time saying no to people. And why is that? Well, I want to be liked. I want to fit in. I want people as we all do, by the way, everybody does. <laughs> we all want to fit in. It's part of our need to be seen and connected as social creatures. If we're trying these things out, don't go to like the bully in the school and try and say no first. Like maybe try it with a friend who says, hey, do you want to have, uh, do you want to get together? And it's during times of COVID and you're not comfortable with that right now because you're still socially distancing. Try saying no to that person first. And it's like, you know what? Does it work for me? Thanks for the invite, but I'm going to play it safe and stay home and just try it out with those people that are not going to go what and make you feel like a horrible person right <laughs> right off the get-go so you can get stronger in doing it and then try the harder ones is another is another strategy that I try that's a great suggestion I agree I do want to throw in here as we're getting towards the end that we have spoken about toxic environments and we have t- spoken about you know traumatic uh, things that can happen both within school and work environments and wherever it is that you might be existing but to also really keep in mind that if you're experiencing bullying if you're experiencing a form of harassment in the workplace or these extreme situations that it is incredibly important for you to reach out for support that's not that goes a little bit beyond an unhealthy environment. It goes a little bit beyond gossiping. That's very serious and um, does need to be 
spoken about to someone that you can trust and action does need to be taken against those things, not only for your own safety, but for the safety of the rest of the folks that are in that environment with you. Please do reach out. I think there's lots of bullying hotlines, which we will stick in a couple numbers at the end, um, as well as some resources that you can contact as well. I was just going to mention anyone who's listening and would maybe like some ideas or resources, I often will post them on Instagram and they can feel free to reach out and ask questions or if you're looking for support for yourself or somebody else that I can be another resource for support online at the Sage Sunflower and Instagram. And this month, actually in February, inspired by this session with you two, we're going to be focusing on violence prevention. So there'll be lots more information online. Oh, amazing. That's Um, really great. In the description, we'll include like links to all of your your website, like you say, your social media and everything like that to make it really nice and easy for everybody to find all those kind of things. Is there any other sage wisdom that you would like to leave us with at the end, Karen? Wow, if I had all the time in the world to say all my sage wisdom, right? (laughs) I think what you had just said is that, you know, this is serious. If you find yourself, if any of this resonates with you, it is serious. And it's important to even just acknowledge that I think we downplay it a lot what we're going through and we minimize and we try and say, oh, it's not so bad. But again, really pay attention to how you're being impacted and think about what would my ideal way of living and my ideal self look like and see how far misaligned you are from that and honor yourself by seeking that support and like help seeking in general can be really challenging for people. And I think it goes back to that not feeling worthy or that they deserve it. But again, we all do. And regardless of what you've been through in your life or what anyone has told you about yourself, you are a good person and you do deserve to live a beautiful, enriched life where you're thriving and you're contributing and you're connected. So nothing should ever get in our way of being able to do that. And unfortunately, there are many things that are getting in the way, but we have to work together as a society and support each other to start making these changes. And, and make this a space where everybody is connected and safe and healthy. Thank you yeah, so, thank so you. much for joining us today, Karen. We really appreciate it. And Becky and I have, I know that I've learned quite Thanks a bit so during this <laughs> session. And I know that the What Really Works listeners have as well. Thank you. Honestly, thank you so much for joining us. So for all the listeners, what we will do in the episode description we will include all of the links to Karen's amazing business and resources, as well as some as the additional kind of resources that Olivia mentioned. So around like the bullying phone line or places to reach out for that. And then also CMHA Cologne also has thoughtful. So if you're a workplace trying to change your mental health culture, they can be a place to reach out to too. Is there anything else that anyone wants to kind of add in? I'm good. I'm good too. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com. And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.